Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up, and the sister really emphasizes, well, if it was her that was murdered, Ricky would be doing the exact same thing for her and still trying to find answers about what happened to his sister to this day. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Thirty-two years is a long time to not know why your loved one is no longer with you and who to blame. But that's exactly how long an Athens family has lived without closure for the death of their son. This is from a news story that aired three years ago about the 1987 murder of 29-year-old Ricky Herridge. It's now been 35 years, and the case is still unsolved. Our family has hurt every second of these 35 years. We all need justice. And this unsolved murder needs to be solved. It's too long and it's time for justice. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Jose Alonso joins us from CBS 19 in Tyler, Texas. Jose, you've been looking back at a murder case from the 1980s. Before we get into what happened, tell us about the victim, a man named Ricky Herridge. Yeah, so Ricky Herridge was in his late 20s, just turned 29. Uh, his family described him as a family man. He complimented his mother and his grandmother all the time about how beautiful they were. If, any were to, if anyone were to pick on each other, he was there to fight for them. Ricky was a um, very kind, loving big brother. He was very protective of all his siblings and his family. It's in March of 1987 that Ricky would first go missing. On March 7th, he went out for a night on the town and after bar close in the early morning hours of the 8th, ended up at sort of a late night spot, a local restaurant called The Pit Grill. Do we know much else about that night out? Yeah, so um, he actually said goodbye. Oh, his, his sister and his mother went, I think they went out of town to shop. Um but he was like, okay, so I'm still going to go out and have fun. I'm going to have some beers, some alcohol. And um, before he went out, his mom and his sister told me that he went to his either ex-girlfriend or ex-wife um, to her place. And she was already with a different guy. And this guy did not like Ricky at all. But the family told me that Ricky just kind of p- passed it off. He didn't really take it seriously. He was like, if she's ready to move on, that's fine. Um, Why he was there, I don't entirely know why, Um, but I heard that it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good um, situation. The conversation wasn't good. So there was already some drama before he decided to go out. And then he went out and there was a bartender there and she was actually questioned, but she never gave a straight answer. 
and that also complicated the case. Um, his mother was telling me that the investigator questioned her but dismissed anything that she said. But she, the mother went up to that bartender still and asked her, you saw my son that same night. Did you see him leave with anybody? And she just denied it. She completely denied that she served him because she was his server at his table. So she denied that she saw him there and the mother was upset about it, but she kept pressing her about it. And eventually she she came to and she told the mother, yes, I actually did see him because the mother knew somebody else at that bar that saw the waitress serve her son. So she's like, I have people that saw you serve him. So obviously, you know, my son was here and she confessed to it. She said, yes, but other, and she said that he left with some people. Uh, and after that, it just kind of got foggy from there. We don't really know what really happened. The afternoon of March 8th, the day after this night out, Ricky's body is discovered. What did investigators learn at that point? How had Ricky been killed? So I was told from the sheriff and the family that he had one bullet hole on his front side of the body and four bullet holes in the back. So there was still no specifics on details on what exactly happened to him, but that is fact. That is what was left on his body when he was found murdered in the creek. Um, he was. It was told that he was driven out there, so from the last place he was, that last bar that everybody in the town goes to after everything else is closed, he was dropped off in a pickup truck. Um, and so they started looking into people that had pickup trucks in the area, especially people that were related to him. But yeah, that's pretty much all the evidence that they had that somebody had to take him out there after they already shot him. He was shot and that's how he was deceased. Appeared that uh, he was, his body was, was dumped uh, there on Monkey Bridge Road. Uh, so there's still no evidence of where the gun is, who the shooter is or anything like that. So like I said, it's still pretty blurry and that's the sad part about this situation. At the time, one of the big questions was where exactly had Herridge been killed? Where had he been shot? And it sounds like that's still an open question today. It is. And that's what the family is really suffering about. There's just still so many unanswered questions. And they're just looking for information. Um, they're looking for somebody to speak up because during that time, the people that were alive or could have been witnesses or were witnesses or involved in this murder, they're still out there. And that's what really hurts the family is that this person's still living amongst them. I still feel like whoever killed him is here. I strongly feel that. If they have any kind of a heart, a mind, a conscience, if they ever lived losing a loved one, then I'm praying. And if, if they're out there and they can hear me now, I'm praying they come forth. Of course, they'll say, well, what if whoever killed him is dead? You know, <laughs> I'm not going there. What else can you tell us about the early days of this investigation? How was local law enforcement going about trying to find Ricky Harridge's killer back then? The, the mom and the sister told me that with the investigation, they feel like it wasn't very thorough. We had a amateur investigator on the case. And I really didn't feel like that the investigation took off like it should have. And I still don't. And that 
within the first 48 hours, especially the mom was saying, like, within the first 48 hours, within the first week, everything is still fresh. She said that she felt like the investigator was taking it too slow, like he wasn't fast enough on this case and just let things digress and keep aging. Um, the current sheriff, uh, Sheriff Bodie Hillhouse, he told me that he feels like the sheriff at the time and the investigator did everything that they could. Looking back at the case, uh, do you believe that the investigation was thorough given the lack of DNA technology? I mean, they they did everything they could at the time. I mean, they did a lot of polygraphs. They did a lot of interviews. Um, you know, they collected the evidence that they could. Uh, you know, and at the time, it was just harder to solve a case. But it was so hard because speaking to the family right after, they keep saying that it wasn't that they just took their time with it. And the people that could have been questioned were out of town the next day. They were kind of out of state. Um, the people the people of interest were able to leave the area and they ended up returning, but they were gone for a while because of the intensity of the situation. Um, so it was just kind of, just kind of everywhere. Uh, and like I said, it was back in the eighties, so there was no DNA testing. There was no, they did polygraphs, but we we know how reliable polygraphs can be every now and then. But yeah, it was just such a blurry situation. So on the one hand, we have the current Henderson County Sheriff saying investigators tried polygraphs, they conducted interviews, they did everything they could. But as you said, the family of Ricky Heritage says they, they don't think investigators did enough at the time. Of course, we don't always know everything that's going on with an investigation. We don't know who investigators might have spoken to in an open case like this. But at the very least, Ricky's mother knew they didn't speak to everybody close to her son because she says they didn't speak to her at the time, right? Exactly. To my knowledge, I don't think they talked to a lot of these people that was around, around him. And I had not one police officer, not the sheriff's department, not the investigator, no one came to my home, ever. She told me that she kept this, I think it was a beer bottle or some sort of bottle in her refrigerator. And she knew it was Ricky's. Um, she had it in there for over, I think she told me 20 years. It was for a long while. And she finally decided to throw it out. And when she decided to throw it out, that's when some DNA tests finally came back. Um, they finally kept going with this case and started utilizing DNA technology and they found some DNA on some of the evidence from the murder, but they can't tell whose DNA it was. They can't even compare it to Ricky Harridge's because his body is in the ground now. They didn't save any DNA from the case, especially being in the 1980s in a small town. Back then, DNA wasn't really thought of that much. There wasn't a lot of preservation with DNA. That's a little bit of a detriment to us because we can't go back and, and research some of the DNA aspects of it. So they can't match it to either him or the people of interest, or it could have been somebody at the funeral home that likely either sneezed or coughed. As you mentioned, you were covering this around the 35th anniversary of Ricky Harridge's murder. Today, he would be in his 60s. He would have four grandchildren, five step-grandchildren, and a great-grandson due this spring. What have these 35 years been like for the family members you spoke to? And how do they remember Ricky all these years later? Yeah, so for the sister and the mother that I spoke to, they just said it's still constant hell for them. They just wish they had some sort of answer to even just 
understand who and why that they did this to their son. If your son got murdered, I do believe any woman would do everything she could to find out what happened to him. There's still some people out, out there that I would like for them to talk to. It's something that is on your mind 24-7. It don't go away. You have to work, you have to smile, you have to live, but it's there and it doesn't go away. His child at the time was still very young, so she didn't really have a lot of memories with him, which is something that she definitely lost out on. His sister really emphasized how she lost that experience with her dad. But for the sister and the grandmother that did know Ricky Herridge for all of his life, they're the ones that feel cheated out of his life. They feel like he was cheated out of his life. He missed out on life in general. Somebody took that away from him at a young age of 29. And the sister really emphasized as well, if it was her that was murdered, Ricky would be doing the exact same thing for her and still trying to find answers about what happened to his sister to this day. Thanks to Jose Alonso at CBS 19 in Tyler, Texas. And of course, thanks to you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to or following the podcast wherever you're listening right now. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows. That'll do for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. <laughs>